thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, let's go Daniel chapter 10. We're in a four-week series where we're looking at some of the stories in the life of Daniel. And so we began in Daniel chapter one, where we talked about consecration and Daniel and his friends while living in Babylon chose to consecrate themselves. And so we talked about in a changing culture, uh, how tricky it can be to live a set apart life, consecrated, holy, the Lord's, uh, when it looks like culture is moving and culture is shifting. And then uh, we talked out of Daniel three, the following week. And it was the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the story of them uh, refusing to bow. And we talked about worship uh, in that same kind of context. And then last week, uh, we we dove into the story in Daniel 6, where Daniel uh, was a man of prayer and got alone with God three times a day. And in this season, we're spending time alone with God each day. And so we talked last week about devotion. And then uh, today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go after. You ready for this? Ba 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 ba. Spiritual warfare, everybody. Spiritual warfare. All right. All right. You're glad you came to church today. All right. So Daniel chapter 10. Um, some people just got up scared to death. All right. Oh no. Pick the wrong day. You're talking about demons. Yes, we are. Okay. Daniel chapter 10. Here we go. Let me kind of give you the context here, and then we'll go after it. We'll go verse 10 in just a minute. But uh, right here, you've got an angel that comes and appears to Daniel, and this is that conversation. Um, and so tells Daniel that um, after Daniel had been fasting for 21 days, praying and fasting for 21 days, there's this conversation. We'll pick it up in verse 10, then we'll pray and we'll go after it. It says this, a hand touched me, so that's the angel, and set me trembling on my hands and knees, verse 11. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. And he's saying that. Daniel's friends had run away, scared to death. And here's Daniel left with the angel. Daniel's not afraid. The rest of his friends run away. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So we're not going to dive into the details of that vision today. We're going to talk a little bit about this conversation that highlights the spiritual battle going on in the invisible world. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be followers of Jesus in the 21st century, living in Kansas City, following you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Father, we ask that you would open up our eyes to behold more of your word, that we might see God. We pray that you would give us understanding so that we could live lives making a difference, radiant, in our culture, in our generation, in our time, like Daniel did in his time. We pray, Lord Jesus, for supernatural help because we need God more than we need anything. We love you and we honor you. And Radiant said, amen. 
Uh, I love visiting uh, my kids' plays. Um, I don't know any drama kids out there. Um, yeah, everybody went quiet. Nobody's going to confess to that. Uh, but what, anybody ever go to a play? All right, there you go. Everybody, okay, can confess to that. Um, I, was, uh, I loved uh, all of the drama stuff and the musical stuff in high school. And um, when you look at a play, there's the moment where the curtain closes and then the crew moves everything around and the people that are seated can't see what's taking place behind the curtain. And then when they open the curtain again, it's scene two looks different. All the staging looks different and you can see that it's different, but you don't know how it happened. And that's kind of what happens here in this moment where the angel appears to Daniel and gives a context where he opens up the curtain for Daniel to see what's taking place in the spiritual realm. And he begins to talk about this warfare, this battle that takes place in the spiritual realm. I want to lean into that today. I want to lean into the spiritual battle that you and I are in. I think most of us would look at our lives and be able to recognize that this is not heaven yet that it seems like we are met with a real battle in every direction that we turn, that our lives are not easy, that there really is opposition to us, and yet many times we'll go silent on the language of spiritual warfare because people that seem too extreme have caused us to react, and because we don't want to be extremists, we'll go silent. But I want to encourage you to, number one, look at the reality that we are unquestionably in a spiritual battle. And Jesus talked about it. We've got this story of Daniel that makes it clear. There's over and over again, all through the Bible, the storyline about a real spiritual battle that exists. And so there's some people that this is all they want to talk about. And there's some people that go the other extreme. They're reacting instead of just reading. They're reacting and saying, I don't want to go there. So kind of put your head in the sand mentality is, I don't want to talk spiritual warfare. I don't want to talk about the spiritual battle. Too many things that I don't understand. C.S. Lewis said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So today I don't want us to stare at the devil. I want us to stare at Jesus, but I want us to have a conversation about that we are in a real battle. So we want to be the people that say, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I don't want to pretend like I'm not in a a real battle. I want to really recognize that the, the enemy does prowl around like a roaring lion and that the battle is real. And so in our lives, we we, we have the opportunity to be the people of God, that walk with God, and we're aware that this battle is not pretend. It's not just kind of for the extremists. I want us to lean in today and begin to ask the question, what does it look like for us to pray, to be a people in this Daniel series with full understanding that we're in a really real spiritual battle? Uh, I think in my own personal journey, uh, I don't think that spiritual warfare was much a part of my life up until I was probably in uh, later, my later elementary years where there was a family that was a close friend of our family. And, 
And someone who was very close to us started to go through a battle, started to engage in things that caused all of a sudden a crisis within our family to where we were alerted to it. And suddenly the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare became a part of our lives because it was in our face. A lot of times, many people will live void of it until they face a crisis. I want to help you today to lean into the word of God, maybe before the crisis or in the midst of the crisis to go to God instead of just interpreting it based upon your own logic. But I think in my journey in that time, uh, I was just a good kid that was into school and the Seahawks and I don't know, (laughs) just a few things and suddenly spiritual warfare entered my life because we began to read Frank Peretti's book, Uh, This present darkness scared me to death. Um, And I went from like zero to 180 miles an hour in like a day. Went from no knowledge to freaked out sitting in the back of the station wagon, you know, like freaking me out. And yet I remember very clearly realizing that, that there's a real spiritual battle going on, that there was kind of these biblical ideas that I started to recognize it was true. I remember talking to a pastor friend of mine, and you know Aaron Stern. He's um, one of our overseers here. He pastors in Fort Collins, and we had pastored together for about 13 years before he moved to Fort Collins. And, and I went and visited him, and I began to ask him questions about what it meant to uh, plant a church. And never forget sitting, um, eating some, some chicken, uh, and I uh, don't know why I told you that. And we're sitting there over <laughs> chicken, and uh, I said, tell me about church planting. Like, what's it like? And his response was not all the hard work. It was not all of the details. It was not church government. It was not. His answer was this. I've never been in such a spiritual battle in my life. And he began to talk about angels and demons. And I just remember being like, wow, this is really, warfare is really real. This was, this was the topic that he wanted to talk about. This is what often happens when you begin to take ground. Meaning? When you begin to be somebody that says, I'm not going to be content with just where I'm at, but because Jesus lives inside of me and I'm going to want to advance with the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you begin to take ground and you watch, there's often some kickback. There's often the enemy that says no and begins to fight. And so I want to invite us today to look at this spiritual battle that we read about in Daniel chapter 10 and to be a people that stare at Jesus, recognize Jesus is victor. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Like there is no question who has all power. No demon in hell. The enemy itself holds no power compared to Jesus who is Lord of all. And yet we live in a real spiritual battle. And so don't think of the enemy as just like, just, just, or the demons that want to just annoy you. It, we actually get language that they're, they're out to destroy, out to damage, out to hurt. So I don't want you to live in fear, but I do want you to live educated. I do want you to live very aware of the spiritual battle that we're in. And when you recognize the spiritual battle that you're in, you recognize how great our God is. So it actually gives you confidence to defeat the enemy. It actually gives you confidence moving forward. It's like that, that, that moment in 2 Kings 6 where Elijah prays that his servant would realize what's all around them. So when he sees the chariots of fire, he's got great courage to fight rather than pulling back. 
So if you have little knowledge about spiritual warfare, you might be a little bit unaware and therefore not engaging. But if you have confidence about the victory of Christ, if you have confidence about who Jesus is and an understanding that you're in a spiritual battle, then I believe you'll move forward rather than move back. I believe that you'll advance instead of pulling back. And I want us today just to look at this conversation because it's a little conversation about prayer. And we're in this prayer series through Daniel. And we're going into even this week and even in going into tomorrow night, where I want us to, I want us to end this, this, these, these prayer meetings, praying for the nations. And I want you to have faith that you have spiritual say-so in the spiritual realm. That when you pray, you're laboring in the spiritual realm. That God uses the weak prayers of the saints to make a difference. That it's awesome when God uses our deeds to make a difference. And God uses your prayers to make a difference. And when we read in the scriptures, there's a whole lot of times where you get a great reward for a deed. And there's whole things that shift when we pray. And so you might think it feels a little bit strange that we bow our knee and say to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. But he gives real say-so to praying saints that actually go for it and pray. And so I want to give us courage and strength to labor in prayer. So look at, let's look at this. It's this phrase where, where the angel says to the, looks at Daniel and says, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day. I want to just start there. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Imagine the angel saying to Daniel, your words were heard. I think one of the things that the enemy will say to you when you think about if I want to be a person of prayer or not is God doesn't hear your prayers. Your, your, your words are wasted. You're wasting your time. Far better to watch YouTube. Far better to get more education. Far better to make more money. Far better to just have some fun. Watch some Netflix. Go do something. But spending your time praying, your words are not heard. Waste of time. And the enemy will come in. And if he can get you to believe that it's a waste of your time, to believe that God does not hear, to believe that God is not listening, that God doesn't care, any kind of lie then it's easy for you to say, this is a waste of my time. I'm only going to give my time to things that matter. But I want to, like a battering ram today, say, God hears your prayers. Every prayer you pray is heard. There's no prayer that's wasted. God delights in the prayers of the saints. God hears the prayers of the righteous. God is a God that loves it when you pray. And he hears every single prayer. And if you believe that, then you'll give yourself to consistent prayer, even when it feels barren and difficult. Even when you don't have the tingles and feel like this is going so well and so much fun. Even when that devotional prayer time where Pastor David has said, hey, spend 21 days with the Lord, and you get there and your journal feels boring, the Bible feels a little bit like confusing, your coffee's cold, and you're just suddenly like, I don't know that I wanna do this. If you believe in your bones, that God hears your prayers and that, that there will be a day, even if it's not today, that you'll recognize that God was at work when you prayed, then you'll pray differently. You'll give yourself to it. God hears every prayer. And I just want you to think about the delight of God, the compassion of God, the joy of God in hearing your prayers. Because Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 7, Asking you to receive, seeking to find, knocking the door will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, all who seek find. To everyone that knocks, the door is open to you. And then he goes into this language about a father. Which of you fathers 
So want to give good gifts to your children. Which of you, which of you will give them a, a stone or a snake? No, you want to give good gifts or a scorpion. Those are like really graphic images that Jesus says. No, he wants to give good gifts. There's, a, there's, there's the imagery of a father that delights to give good gifts, that enjoys the prayers. So I was just thinking about if you have a father that enjoys, delights in, and, and we actually get this command to pray. And he's, we're, we're actually told that when we pray, there's spiritual say-so. And we've got examples in the scriptures in Daniel 10 where angels move according to the prayers of the saints, where it shifts in the spiritual realm as a result of the prayers of human beings. If you get locked in that God delights in every prayer that I pray, like there's so many things that God delights in that are less spiritually concentrated. Like, for example, when he says, I care, I know every hair on your head. Like, who cares how many hairs are on your head? It doesn't change the world. Like, it, it's no big deal. Like, who, I mean, I know in your vanity or what color it is, or, but in terms of really changing the world, who cares how much hair is on your head, right? But God does. Why? Because he likes you that much, right? Like he, he loves you. Or Psalm 56, where it says, uh, every tear that you cry, I collect in a bottle. Psalm 56, a B. I put the B in there. Okay, so you know what's the point of that kind of idea. You know all that's in my heart every time I weep, every time that I go through hardship. You care. So you care about how I, how I look. You care about the hair on my head. You care about the tears that I cry. You care about me. You care about all those things. How much more does he care about partnering with him in what over and over again Jesus said, if you'll do this, I'll be at work. And even commands it. Pray without ceasing. Ceasing. Not pray without sneezing. Welcome to the fall, everybody. <laughs> it's allergy season. Pray without sneezing. Pray without ceasing. Sorry. Ooh, a rabbit. All right. And I was just thinking about how much more does he not care about every prayer that you pray. And then he says this, and this is the fun one. Your words were heard, and I want to invite you to this. Every prayer that you pray is heard. And I hope that we can believe that. I hope, I hope that if we can read in Romans 8 that when we, when we don't know what to pray and we just groan, God goes, got it, heard it. Every time that we're driving in our car and we're desperate for our child to make a good decision and we just go, ah, God goes, got it, heard it. Every time that we just come before God in worship and we don't know the lyrics to the song, we just say, I don't know what to do right now, God, but you're good and I'm going to worship and oh God, help me worship. He goes, got it. He hears every prayer. He hears every prayer. If you get that deep in your conviction and then the angel says, and I have come in response. That's a big prayer. There's a whole lot of people that will try to say, no. Your prayers don't matter. Hear me on the record. I think we believe in our bones. When you pray, it matters. It makes a difference. God delights in the prayers of the saints. God enjoys the prayers of the saints. God hears the prayers of the saints. And God works when the prayers of the saints go up toward heaven. And so he says, I have come in response to your prayer. 
I mean, that's a huge statement. Hey, from the first moment that you set your heart to understanding and humbled yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response. Woo! You get that into your head so that, okay, here's, and there's God activity because of the partnership with human crying out to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God goes, okay, God at work. I mean, you get that to where you believe in faith. Sometimes you see it. Sometimes you'll wait till heaven. Sometimes you'll see it 10 years later. But if you believe that in the present, when I pray, he hears. And when I pray, he works. No matter if I feel it or see it in the moment, then that conviction that he hears and that conviction that he answers will grow and you'll become a praying saint. You go, yes, I'm in a spiritual battle. And when I pray, it actually makes a difference. It actually matters. And then you believe that there's great dignity in your life where you come before God and you go, I got 80 years on planet earth and I'm going to be a man or a woman that prays. And the enemy comes along and the enemy wants to lie to you, wants you to believe God doesn't hear, God doesn't care, and God certainly doesn't work when you pray. Look at your life. Look at the circumstance around you. God doesn't care. God doesn't answer. The question is, will you believe the scripture like a child, or will you believe in your own intellect? Or will you believe the lie of the enemy? And what we often do is we go, because I can't see it, I don't believe it. So I've brokenheartedly sat with people at Starbucks, where they say, I'm disappointed, I'm disillusioned, I'm mad because it didn't turn out the way that I wanted. And so they're gonna tie an intellectual knot on how God can use the voluntary prayer of human beings, and God can be all-knowing, God can be sovereign, God can be all-powerful, and there's pain in the world, and if God is good, then how come there's pain, and how come, and it's called theodicy, how come? And if you, if you live in a world where you have to understand it all, then good chance you'll pull back in frustration and go, I'm going to check out because I can't intellectually understand it. But if you can believe what, what we're calling today a warfare worldview, that there's a spiritual battle, that we live, we live in a world where, where we don't see the fullness yet. This isn't heaven yet. And there will be a day where we will look back and we'll go, God, you were at work the whole time. And even in a broken world, you brought your will and you used the prayers of the humble saints that voluntarily chose to pray, even though we looked like foolish children asking a father for good gifts. So that Revelation 19 moment where we say, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns in heaven. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent, all powerful. You reign. <laughs> hallelujah. Whoa. Like you can look back at human history and you're not going to look back at human history and go, I knew it. God, you weren't good. I knew it. You didn't use the prayers of the saints. No, ah, uh, no. You will join and go, ha, ha, hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent, the all-powerful God, the sovereign, all-knowing God. You, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent. You, you rule and you reign and you were true to your word the whole time. 
Yai, yai, yai. What? God, you use, you use the prayers when I was five. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You, you use the prayers of a nine-year-old. Yep. You were working. And I, I, I couldn't see then, but I see more. You really are good. You, 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 God, you, you did human history really well. You're amazing. You're in, ha, ha, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Holy, 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 amazing, magnificent. You are God. God used prayers in junior high. Yeah. God used prayers in high school. Yeah. God used prayers when I was in my 20s. God, you pray with God when I was in my 30s. I just pray and those kids would go to sleep at eight o'clock. You used God, you, God, you, God, in my 40s where I was desperate for my teens. Yeah. God, in my 50s where I was just praying to just live. <laughs> my 60s and my 70s. God, when I was praying for my grandkids. God, I was praying for my, God, you, Ask and receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock on the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. All who seek find. Everyone knocks the door is open. God, you're better than I could have ever imagined. You're not going to stand before God and go, I was right. You're going to stand before God and go, hi, 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 hi. Who are you? And wow. And your word was true. And you, you, rule, you have ruled and reigned from eternity past until this moment and forever and ever, perfectly, your God. And I think if you can lock in with a God who rules and reigns in perfection, and, and that's the thing. I just picture God looking at us going, do you remember what I told you? Sermon on the Mount. I didn't tell you to understand it like a PhD in warfare. I told you to pray like a child. God, but I don't want to pray like a child. I feel like I'm smart, and I want to be able to understand it all before I do it. If I'm going to give myself to laboring in the spiritual realm, i got to understand it intellectually. Here's what I'm going to invite you to. Pray like a child. Recognize there's more than we could fathom. Learn all you can. But if you buy into believing that we are in a real spiritual battle, it enables you to not have to believe and feel like everything feels good all the time. Because you know, we're in a battle. We're in, we're, we're in a real war. There's a spiritual battle going on. So here, then, then, then they've got this phrase where you get this little window and he says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Intriguing. And so this is, where, this is where some people get scared. Oh no, what are we gonna talk about here? Really? The angels dispatched from heaven, but got delayed because of warfare? I think for most of us, if we want to try to just define the world just based upon human behavior and what we can see with our own eyes, there's no question that is real and that exists. But if we do it to the absence of spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle that exists, I think we error. Because all it takes, for me, I remember just I remember being in the mountains of Tibet and we're trying to take the gospel to villages and the level of oppression and confusion, like no doubt about it, we got to get economics right and government right and thoughts right. But you can't tell me that there wasn't a spiritual battle going on. It's both and baby. I mean, I feel like there's moments where I've been in rural Africa with such poverty where you're just like, 
There's so many things that need to be fixed on the ground, but no question, there's a spiritual battle going on. Pick your geographical location, and most of us would go, yeah, there's a real spiritual battle. There's, this, is, this is not play. This is not pretend. There's real warfare. And Paul presupposed it. Paul talked about it. Paul says this, 1 Thessalonians 2.18, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. <laughs> I mean, just talking like straight up, here's, here's my dream, and I, but I'm in a battle. We, we, I mean, Paul talks about it in Ephesians 6, that we, we wrestle. We, it, we're in a real battle, spiritual battle. So it's so pivotal when we live our lives and we're trying to fulfill God's call on our lives and we're trying to make a difference in Kansas City and we want to see the next generation know God and we want to be a people of prayer that we recognize this is a real battle and God uses the prayers of the saints to make a difference in the spiritual battle. And when you pray, God does stuff. When you pray, God works. And I want to just give you a few thoughts on how to pray effectively. Number one, I want to encourage you. Pray according to God's will. Pray according to God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So this is one of the reasons why uh, we encourage you to pray the scriptures. Because so you can just know this is God's will. Most of us have a tendency when we think about our prayer lives to just pray for our own comfort and our own lives to get better, which that's a great place to start, but not a great place to end. You want to gradually get to where you're like praying your kingdom come, your will be done. So the tendency is just to use God as a means for me to get what I want, for me to get a better life, for me to get all the things that I desire. And as you get close to God and you partner with him in prayer, in intercession, as a person that loves his will and what he wants to do on the planet, then you're thinking, okay, God, I want your will in my life and I want your will in my marriage. And God, I want your will in my family. God, I want your will for my children. God, I want your will for our church. God, I want your will for our city. God, I want your will for our nation. God, I want your will around the world. God, I want your kingdom come. Your will be done. So that... Over time, as you pray that, you actually have a transformed heart to where what God's will is, is what you long for. Really easy. A lot of people, a lot of people say they pray. A lot of people believe in prayer. Yet much of the time, it's just kind of a means for me to just get a little bit more of my desires. And I want to invite you to take steps of maturity. To keep taking steps to where it gradually transitions into, oh God, I want your will. Second idea is this, pray with faith. It's amazing how often Jesus loved, I mean, smiled, got excited about people that had faith. And if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. We can see Jesus interacting with people and Jesus is always just undone when he sees faith. When he sees people that it doesn't make intellectual sense when they're believing and they're going against everything that makes logical sense and they believe you are who you say you are. You do miracles. You do care. 
And there's this moment after moment where Jesus goes, ah, you have great faith. Ah, I see your faith. James 4, 2 says we don't have because we don't ask. So we want to be a people that though we can't see it, though it's not intellectually makes sense, we want to say, oh God, would you do a miracle? And God, would you heal? And God, would you do a work in our city that people would come to faith? Oh God, would you do a, person, a work in that person's life? God, we can't see it. Right now, it seems impossible. That person is so far from you. That person loves the world. That person loves themselves. That person loves lust. That person is so far from you. It's, but I have great faith, and I'm going to come before you yet again asking. And you said we don't have because we don't ask. And so even if it seems like I'm asking for decades, I'm not going to quit asking. There's people that I'm praying for right now that it's easy to give up on asking because they love sin. And they mock the fact that I pray for them. And when they know that I pray for them and they think it's silly because they're never going to turn. And that doesn't cause me to say, I'm done. It causes me to say, oh, but God, you've done it before. I believe you could do it again. You'll take the heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh and the most broken man. Do it in my friend. Do it again. And over and over again, one of the most... One of the ways God delights in our prayers is when we pray with faith. And every time that you step away with your precious time, and your time is precious, especially in American culture, it's the commodity that we love most. Even people that feel like they have some, some finances that they can expend and not fight for, man, it's the time that we love most. And that's why I think one of the best sacrifices you can give is to come before God, give him your time, your minutes, your hours, and be a person that says, I'm going to, in faith, invest this time into prayer. Yeah, but I could watch more entertainment on Monday night. Yeah, but I could do this with, instead of praying with my spouse, instead of praying with my family, instead of praying alone with God in that same chair every morning or whatever it is. When you come before God and you take that prayer list and you pray over those seven targets or you pray for that nation or you pray for your family or you pray for your spouse or you pray for your grandchildren, whether you see it or not, now you're making a difference. And there will be a day where you go, oh, that was great wisdom that I took time to pray. It's one of the best things you can do. All right, pray with persistence. This is, this is Jesus. He gives us this over and over again. Luke 18.1, it's the story about the unjust judge. You've got the story of the crazy neighbor that comes and just begs for bread. But Jesus gives us, there's this reality that God delights when we persist and persevere in prayer. Every parent knows this reality. All of us have had our kids say, hey, can I have dessert? Hey, can we go to McDonald's? Hey, can we, see, I'm annoying you already. Hey, right? All of us, every parent has experienced that. And that breaking point where, hey, can I have a cup of water? Hey, can I get out of bed? Hey, can I watch... Netflix. Hey, can I have the Disney uh, app? Hey, can I have your iPad? Hey, and that leave me alone thing that you feel, even me doing it for 10 seconds. There's something in the heart of God that so enjoys conversation with you that we're told in the scriptures, he delights in that, that he, he will he not turn? Will he not give to the people that persevere and persist in prayer. So, so I want to invite you as you think about living on offense in the spiritual battle, living and being a person 
with a warfare worldview. Persevere, persist, don't quit. Last one, pray with others. This is an intriguing one to me. Because I like to pray by myself, right? Like when I'm, I make Bible, highlighter, prayer journal, mm, coffee, nice. Can get solitude a little bit by yourself, get renewed. But when you go to pray with other people, people are weird, right? And they're super weird at a prayer meeting. Like, it's the weirdest place on earth, right? I mean, people are crazy. When I was 26, um, I, I, I led prayer meetings at the church where I was on staff. And I was normal on Sunday mornings, you know? I would wear the suit, show up, sit on the front row. I would sing songs, you know, mostly back then we're singing, you know, uh, songs like, uh, well, kind of like, gonna jump, jump in the river, gonna jump, jump in the river. Like I would, and I would just participate. But man, you got me at the prayer meeting and I was like, I would do jumping jacks on the front row. People would be like, who's that kid? And they were like, that's the new youth pastor. Is he crazy? And they're like, yeah, he's great, great. Like, because I was just up there jumping jacks, pacing. And you go to prayer meetings, you see a lot of people doing some weird. And so what we like to do is we like to go, man, I'm not praying with other people. Other people just too strange. Right? Even with your spouse. Ah, oh. even with your kids. Ooh. But here's the reality. It's interesting. Paul's always mobilizing other people to pray. You know that? And pray for me. He's not just doing it as like some kind of nice devotional act. Embedded in Paul's conviction is more people praying is better than less people praying. So pray for me. It's a holy desperation. Pray for me. He believed it in his... Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be with you. Like there is something that takes place when you gather with the saints as small as your marriage, bigger your family, maybe a young adults gathering together with friends. I just dream about our church being a place where it's the culture to gather with the saints and pray. Leonard Ravenhill said, gather six people that know how to groan, right? Gather together and cry out to God. And that's the place where you're laboring in the spiritual realm. You're crying out to God. And here's what's happening. You're crying out, your kingdom come, your will be done. And you might see it now. And it might be that later on, you see it. It might be heaven. Wow, you at work. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Most of you have one story where you cried out to God in prayer and you can now see how God was at work the whole time. At least one story. Like you think about this moment. Hey, Daniel. From the first moment you set your heart to understanding and humbled yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response, but I ended up in a wrestling match. It's been 21 days, but in that battle, and here's the intriguing thing. God was at work, dispatched the angel, and God was at work the whole time. Daniel just couldn't see it. You never know. You never know the way that God is at work even now because of the prayers that you've been praying for years or months or minutes. Renata and I were talking last Sunday night and I was talking to her specifically about a ministry loss that I experienced about eight years ago. And it was something that hurt me. It was something that I was so disappointed in. And I began to tell her about how right now I have this new enthusiasm about something that I can see on the horizon where I can see this opportunity to make a difference. And I'm 
The only way I could be where I'm at right now is if that ministry opportunity went away like it did eight years ago. I couldn't see it then. Eight years ago, I was sad. I was mad. And I was tempted to be like, accuse God. What? But now, I'm like, what's up? Good move. I trust you. We will be like that one day. We will all look back and go, what's up? You're amazing. Hallelujah. You're better than I could have imagined. You used every groan, every cry, every tear, every 4.30 a.m. cry, and every, whoops, I accidentally slept till 10.30 a.m. What's up? Every prayer. Every prayer in the drive, every prayer on Sunday morning, oh God, let that preacher stop. You never know. Every prayer. Every prayer. Every prayer. That's what Jesus says. I'll I'll do it when I can understand it. Pray like a child. I trust you. I want to understand all I can. But I I, I, I am not omniscient. There is one. There is one who knows all. There is one who has all power. And he's invited you to partner with him to see God work in our world. And so we're going to do a lot of things at Radiant Church. We're committed to serve day. We're committed to being a light with our telling people about Jesus every week and inviting them to come to church on Sundays. We're going to do a lot of things and it all starts. We're going to pray, 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 cry out to God. God, have your way. Will you stand with me and let's pray together. Will you go intercession for one moment? I'd like to invite you to pray 30 seconds, one prayer target, one thing, just even as I'm talking and Just one way you can apply it. Pray for your child. Pray for your spouse. Pray for someone you know that's far from God, that needs Jesus. Pray for that person that sits in the cubicle next to you. Pray for that person that is your barista that you see a lot. Just pray. One prayer target. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you asking your kingdom come, your will be done in our city. Every person that needs healing that was just prayed for. Every person who's far from God that needs the gospel that was just prayed for. Every broken relationship was just prayed for. Every hurt individual was just prayed for. Oh God, would you be at work in ways that we can't even fathom? Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, have your way. God, be at work. There is a spiritual battle over your own life. There's some of you that you're caught right now and you know you're you're in a spiritual tug of war. And Jesus has a plan for your life. He wants you to have eternal life in Christ. The enemy wants to take you out. And today you want to say, I give my life to Christ. Jesus. 
There's no chance the enemy's gonna win over my life. I surrender. You can have my life. I'm not gonna bring you forward, but if you're here today and you go out, David, I, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. Just slip your hand up just for three seconds. Slip it back down. That's all right. If you go, I want to give my life to Christ today. Can you do that? Just pray this prayer. Father, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, save me. Give me a fresh start. New life in Christ. I give you my life. You can have it all. I don't want to go my way. I go yours. In Jesus' name.